Well, it's lovely to be with you all on uh, Easter Sunday. It's uh, one of the greatest days of, of the year, and especially for us who love the Lord Jesus and uh, love to celebrate the fact that he is uh, uh, risen. Get the passage. There we go. Yeah. For 23 years, war had raged in Europe. But on the 18th of June in 1815, the Battle of Waterloo took place between Napoleon's French army and a coalition of the Duke of Wellington and Marshal uh, Blucher. It was probably the decisive battle of its age. It ended the French attempts to dominate Europe and destroyed Napoleon's imperial army forever. Of course, in those days, there were no telegrams, there were no telephones to communicate the news. And our, our country at the time was in uh, great uncertainty as to its future. A sailing ship came from France and uh, came into the Solent with the news. And uh, the ship signaled through flags on it the uh, message and somebody on the uh, tower of Winchester uh, Cathedral was to transmit the news to the next beacon on top of the next mountain and so the news would travel throughout the land to London and, and, and everywhere. The ship began to signal with its flags. Wellington. The, the next word that came up there was defeated. Oh. And then the fog came down. Oh. <laughs> the ship could no longer be seen. And so the signal was transmitted from the Winchester Cathedral Tower to the next beacon and on and on throughout the land. And of course there was great gloom throughout the country. After about three hours, the fog lifted. The ship could be seen again and the full message in flags could be seen. Wellington defeated the enemy. And of course, when that message went out, there was great rejoicing throughout the land. You know, there was a day when they put the body of the Lord Jesus in the tomb and the message that appeared to be was Christ defeated. Three days later, the fog lifted. Mm. The tomb was discovered to be empty. He was risen. Mm. He was alive, just as he said. Now, Matthew here, the passage that we've read, uh, tells us that on the Sabbath day towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, and Mark adds to it, Salome was also there. They went early to see the tomb. It seems that these ladies were the last ones at the tomb and saw the great stone rolled across the entrance to the tomb. They were the first back to the tomb with spices and ointments that they were going to embalm Jesus' body with. And of course, you can imagine as they're running along there, they're discussing how in the world are we going to remove the stone? How are we going to get in there? 
And then we have this great angelic <coughs> intervention. Jesus' birth had been announced by angels, and here we learn that his resurrection was also announced by an angel. Verse 2 says, Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and proudly sat on it. <laughs> this was a second earthquake in three days. Matthew records in chapter 27, verse 51, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and rocks were split. There was a seismic phenomenon accompanying this angelic show of strength. One commentator wrote, The earth, which trembled with sorrow at the death of Christ, as it were, leaped for joy at his resurrection. This heavenly emissary arrived with the privileged mission of rolling back the stone. I'm sure all the angels would have loved that uh, permission to do that. He sits on it and then soon he would be saying, come and see, come and see. But of course, you can also imagine the ladies seeing this, you know, angel uh, sat there whose appearance, it said, was like lightning and his, his clothing was white as snow. In fact, those who had been commissioned to guard the tomb were so petrified that it says there that they trembled and became like dead men. And of course, they would run off to the Jewish authorities, uh, the religious leaders and the civic leaders, and they would concoct a story, tell them that, you know, his disciples came and took him away while he was sleeping. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. Now, the angel perhaps has the greatest part of his task in calming down these panicking uh, women. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Interesting. Learn a lot about angels in this passage. He could speak the language that these ladies understood. Probably Aramaic. He knew Jesus and was aware of his crucifixion. He knew why the women were at the tomb. He says he's not here, for he has risen as he said. The angel knew what Jesus had predicted. The angel knew that he had indeed risen from the dead. The angel knows about his disciples. Go tell them that he's risen and that he'll meet them in Galilee. He's a very knowledgeable little chap, isn't he? And what he's most earnest about is that the women should come and see the place where he lay. They've been there when his body was laid there. But he says, come and see. The angel had rolled away the stone, not to let Jesus out, but to let those witnesses in to see. He's no longer there. He's risen. Some years ago, there was a, a party of... Uh, American uh, tourists and they were in Europe visiting some of the capitals and seeing some of the uh, sites there and while in Paris the tour guide took them to uh, the uh, Museum Les Invalides. It's where Napoleon's tomb is uh, uh, there. When Napoleon was taken captive, he went to Centralina, he was buried there but at some time, the French decided to exhume his body and to create this very ornate special tomb where his remains were buried. 
And as the uh, tourists were watching, this uh, uh, tour guide said, Here, voici la gloire de France. Here is the, the glory of, of, of France. Well, in this group was a Christian man. And ten days later, he was in Jerusalem and visiting the garden tomb where many believe Christ's body was laid. It was there that this verse uh, came back to his mind. He's not here, for he is risen. Here is the glory of Christ. You see, there's no skeleton, no bones, there are no remains, there's no dust in the tomb. He's risen, just as he said. Now, the angel is very passionate in his approach to these women visitors. He doesn't want them just to hear what he's saying. He's not here, he's risen. He's insistent, come and see, look. See the place where he had been laid. Remember when my wife and I were doing our missionary training and we were in the States and we had two children at that time. And each Monday morning as they took the school bus to the school where they were, we, we always had the puzzle of they had to take something to school that was of significance to them, that meant something to them. And they had to go and show and tell what it was. First class, Monday morning, show and tell, mum and dad nightmare, what in the world can, can we you know, get the kids to, to take this, this week? But they had to show and tell something that was very special to them. The empty tomb was God's show and tell to mankind. God is showing to the world that the tomb where Christ had been buried is empty. And the angel moved the stone to allow the world to look in. God's angelic messenger is inviting us, come and see, to understand, to be convinced of the empty tomb's message. I'll say, first of all, the empty tomb is proof that Jesus is God the Son and the promised Messiah. You see, Christ made some amazing claims during his life. We read in John 15, uh, 5 verse 18, sorry, that he claimed overtly to be God's Son. It says there, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. John in chapter 5 verse 36 said that he demonstrated his deity through his works. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. He announced in advance his death and resurrection. Four times Matthew records that. And in chapter 16 and verse 21 he says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. He made claims to be the only way to God. In John 14 verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father except through me. And then Jesus made this radical claim to have power over life and death. Again in John 10, verses 17 and 18. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. But when Jesus was hanging on the cross there, the crowds there were taunting him, saying, Prove it! You said that you could do this. You could say you could save yourself. Prove it! The room, it says there the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, he's chosen one. Prove it! Prove it! Prove it! And the angel urges us to come and see. Come and see the place where he lay. He's not here. He is risen, as he said. You see, all that Jesus claimed is absolutely true. And here is the proof, the empty tomb. Jesus is alive, victor over death. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel. Now it's interesting that it is in the perfect tense where it says here that he is still risen, is how it comes across in the Greek tense. And this is the cardinal fact about Christ that proves his claim to, the, to be the Messiah and the Son of God. He's risen. There's another commentator that said, the unique fact of the gospel is the resurrection. All other religions record the death of their leaders only. The Christian faith records the resurrection of its founder and all other religious leaders are dead. Only Jesus is alive. Empty too is the proof that the Lord Jesus is the Messiah and Son of God. But secondly, the empty tomb is proof that Jesus' saving work had been accomplished. We remember, as he died on the cross there, his last words were that he cried out, It is finished! And both in Luke's Gospel and in Matthew's Gospel, they both said that he cried out with a loud voice, because it was a voice of triumph. His suffering on the cross there was as a result of our sins. He voluntarily gave himself and put himself in that position of bearing the wrath of God against our sins. He took the punishment. He paid the full price and shed his blood, the atonement for our sins. And God's justice against sin was satisfied there at the cross as Jesus lovingly, willingly, selflessly died on our behalf. He's taken down from the cross. He's buried in a borrowed tomb. But three days later, God invites the world, come and see the place where he lay. 
He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Peter comments, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. You see, Jesus' sacrifice was accepted, and the Father raised him from the dead. And the empty tomb is proof to all the world that Jesus by himself had paid the full price for our sins and satisfied the divine justice. Twelve times we read in the book of Acts of the apostles preaching the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection. When they were preaching there in Antioch, in Acts 13, 29 and 30, we read there, they took him down from the tree, laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. And does it not thrill our hearts to see all that he accomplished on our behalf? Does it not comfort our hearts to see that all that was needed to make us acceptable to a holy, sin-hating God was accomplished by him, by himself. It is finished. And God the Father said, Amen. I am fully satisfied with my son's work and raised him from the dead. You see, it's the gospel of God's grace. It's what God has done for us. It's what God has provided for us. And he appeals to us to receive it. To recognize our sinfulness. To recognize this, the Savior who wholly died and paid the full price of our salvation. This is the gospel. And the angel says, come and see. The empty tomb is proof that Jesus' saving work has been accomplished. Thirdly, the empty tomb is proof of Jesus' victory over death. In that great chapter, resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians and uh, chapter 15, we read, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He died. Christ died. It could be written concerning millions and millions and millions who've lived on our planet. Abel, Adam, Eve, Noah, they all died. Methuselah lived for 969 years, but he died. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they died. Joseph died. Moses died. David died. All the great characters of history died. <coughs> D.L. Moody was that American evangelist who was greatly used of God. And he said, he said, you know, one day you'll read in the newspapers that D.L. Moody is dead. He said, don't believe it for a second. I'll be more alive than I've ever been. I'll have just gone up higher. <coughs> As he was about to die, his family were there gathered around him. He said, this is my triumph. This is my coronation day. I've been looking forward to it for years. In sharp con 
contrast, the atheist and champion of those who opposed and ridiculed Christianity, Voltaire, died in terror. His friends stopped others entering into his room. They didn't want him to see the horror of the sight of Voltaire in his last moments. His nurse was so appalled at the nature of his torment that she vowed never again to attend the deathbed of an atheist, not for all the money in the world. How must Satan have thought that he had thwarted God and his purposes when Jesus' dead body was taken down and put in that cold stone uh, tomb? But our champion rose. And, and triumphed over the enemy of our souls. Go and see! Hebrews 2 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And then in the second part of 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. You see, our champion, our victor, won the decisive battle on the Mount Calvary. He decisively overthrew the enemy. You see, the, the, the cross of Calvary was the courtroom where Satan was judged. Now the final execution of that judgment is merely a matter of time. Christ conquered sin at the cross. He triumphed over death at the tomb. And that's why the angel is so passionate. He's not here, he's risen. Come and see. One day, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. The empty tomb <coughs> is the proof of Christ's victory over death. And because he lives, we shall live also. Amen. Our earnest, eager, impassioned angel begs us, come and see. He's not here. He's risen. <coughs> this empty tomb is proof to us that Jesus is God the Son, the promised Messiah. It, it's proof that Jesus' saving work has been accomplished. It's proof that Jesus triumphed over death. Now these are, are stunning, you know, encouraging, amazing truths. But they're truths that must be communicated. You see, the angel's appeal is, come and see. And immediately it is followed by, go quickly and tell Disciples would meet the risen Lord later that day. And we read of that encounter in Luke chapter 24. Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets 
and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. It was because the apostles there were so convinced of his resurrection that they were prepared to hazard their lives, uh, to give uh, their lives so that the gospel could go out to all the world. They were prepared to leave their homes. They were prepared to give up their livelihoods, to go quickly and tell of God's love revealed to us through the life and death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 4.33 says, With great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. William Sangster was a great Methodist leader and uh, he was the pastor preacher at Westminster Chapel during the uh, years of the Second World War and the church opened its doors to all the people who were uh, suffering, distressed. They had a big basement and uh, they ministered and supported uh, Londoners through that, that terrible time. Every Sunday he preached to two and a half thousand people. He had the biggest congregation in, uh, in, in London. But towards the end of his life he, he, he got this uh, disease, sounds from the description that it was probably motor neuron disease, and his muscles were wasting away and finally, you know, he could no longer speak. It affected his, uh, his vocal cords. And on the Easter, just before he died, he managed to scribble this short note to his daughter. He said, wrote, he didn't say, he wrote it. He said, how terrible to wake up on Easter and have no voice to shout, He has risen. Far worse to have a voice and not want to shout. <clears throat> Come and see, the angel said, and let's go quickly and tell. So many people out there in need of this wonderful message. There are people around the world who are dominated, captive to religious systems whose leaders have all died. But the one leader who conquered sin and death is alive. And only through him can the world have hope. Come and see. Be convinced. Go quickly.